They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. This time, the stylist Haley Lido joins me to talk about her recently opened Lido Archive, a fashion bastion of over 4,000 absolutely fabulous pieces available for rental. I hope you enjoy. Okay, Haley Lido, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to have you here. You look absolutely spectacular. I think we should start with um, today's look, which is kind of a... Um, it actually reminds me of I don't know if you remember when the sound, when the costume creator of Priscilla Queen of the Desert won the Oscar and she wore the Amex gold dress. Yep. This is kind of a a jumpsuit made out of Benjamin Franklin dollar bills. Yeah, that Amex dress actually inspires me a lot. I've been working on making a fake $100 bill laminated version of that, which a lot of people, when they see it, are like, are these real $100 bills? And I'm like, bitch, who do you think I am? Like, I cannot. This would be like (laughs) at least a $10,000 dress just laminated. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. But that's not what I'm wearing right now. And you have kind of a bejeweled um, bodice Yeah. I love rhinestones. Um, okay. I've been kind of dubbed the rhinestoner because I rhinestone everything and I also smoke weed all the time. So. <laughs> okay. I feel weird if I'm not wearing rhinestones. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like it's so flat and dismal to not. It is. Okay. And then we have kind of a. A 1980s belt situation. Amazing. It's like a black leather belt with heavy gold accents and dangling gold chains. Amazing. And then yellow go-go boots. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with these uh, go-go boots. I have them in many colors because I can literally just buy them on Amazon. They're about 30 bucks and they last forever. They're extremely waterproof, surprisingly, and they have rubber bottoms because they're literally just for costumes. So they're great. I have them in every color. They're inexpensive. They last forever. And then when they do get ruined, you just buy another one. Okay, thank you because I'm I'm on the case. I'm doing that immediately. Ellie shoes, E L L I E on Amazon. They're great. And lastly, we have the coat, which is kind of the showstopper of the. This coat is something that I bought recently at a current affair in Brooklyn, and. It's from this girl that I buy from a lot, Gypsy Nation Vintage, and it's this amazing full-length green Mongolian fur, Mongolian wool coat. Whoa. (laughs) And the cool thing about this piece is a lot of vintage coats that were full-length, they'd have like a zip-off kind of situation to make it half-length. Right. And I have a ton of coats that have the zipper on the bottom, but the extension part is missing. So it's hard to find one that's intact, and this one's intact. So let's start there because I'd love to know about your shopping and buying habits and, like, your – because I know you've told me the story about your rhinestone cane and, like, just the encounter of spotting this thing in the wild and then having to deliberate about whether or not you're going to buy it. And then, fortunately, your partner bought it for you. (laughs) But I know that – I'm just curious – your whole life and especially now that you have the archive running, what the process is like for you of finding and searching and picking things up? Yeah, so it's been a little bit of an evolution, I think. Um, Up until I started the archive, which is where I collect clothes and then rent them out to people, I was literally just buying 
for myself because I love clothes. I love wearing clothes. And I never kind of really discriminated about Sorry, the mics messed up. Keep oh, going. Okay. I never really discriminated about where I buy from. Like I've always kind of been the type of person who would just as easily buy like a vintage Givenchy thing from a flea market for way under price or like a three dollar necklace situation at a sex shop. So I've kind of incorporated all of those things into my style and therefore into my collection. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, a lot of people can kind of get lost in like a designer and be like, okay, well, it's Gucci, so it must be amazing. And it's like, yeah, we all love Gucci. It's probably amazing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is. And you certainly don't need to go out and spend a fortune on an outfit. You can find something that's just as great at a Beacon's Closet or at a Goodwill or at a Salvation Army. It's really about kind of like pairing things together and maybe like pairing something that is kind of a more inexpensive version like these go-go boots, which are clearly a costume, with something that elevates it. Mm. So I'm not going to pair something that's a costume with something that's of a similar kind of inexpensive fabric. It's like Mm. it might be something that I still spent less than $10 on, but it's going to look nicer. Yeah, I've been realizing that about... um like jewelry that I buy at a beauty shop. Um, like if any rings that I bought at a beauty shop in Bushwick that'll be about like 3 to $6 will make something. If I put it with a fur coat, if I put it with yep. like – if I spend a lot of money on like a really nice Speedo and I wear one of those <laughs> rings, yes. it like – it works. Exactly, right. exactly. Whereas if it was paired with maybe something else that you bought for $3 at – one of that like a rainbow or something it wouldn't look that way but as a big proponent of rainbow i can tell you that a lot of pieces i bought from rainbow get rented out to major fashion publications really yeah amazing okay so let's zoom all the way back i'd love to just in your words get an explanation of what the lido archives are sure so i started this company we launched in August and it basically revolves around this collection of clothes which is over 4,000 pieces that I've accumulated over a long period of time and from all different places and all different people and I kind of was at a crossroads where I was a stylist but I wasn't super happy with my styling career and I was just wearing my clothes and using my clothes on the people that I was styling And I really wanted to kind of do more with my clothes. And then there was this whole flood incident, which I'll probably get more into later. And that kind of opened my eyes to what more can I do with this. And I love shopping. I love collecting clothes. I love appreciating clothes. And I'm not okay with only using it in my styling career. I want to do more. So... I basically decided, okay, uh, more people need to be wearing these clothes. I'm going to rent them out to other stylists, rent them out to other people. It doesn't necessarily always need to be attached to me. Mm -hmm. And so we built – by we, I mean Kevin, who is like the most incredible person and my partner in the business. And he's in the room right now. He's in the room right now. Um, He is – 
he custom built a database that basically holds like all the information for every single one of these pieces. And it took us a year to photograph everything, document everything. So we have a record of it all. And now we basically run kind of a service where you can come to us and be like, okay, this is where this is what I'm looking for for this kind of shoot on this person who's this size. What do you have? And you can either come in for a poll at our studio, which is based in Bushwick, or we have about 10% of our collection to view online. Mm. Or if you come to us with specifics, we can send you back some options. And uh, so, yeah, so it's it's pretty much just a place where you can come and source a lot of different types of clothing for a certain type of creative project or event. So in terms of kind of the aesthetics that you operate in, um, obviously you and I have talked about how Absolutely Fabulous is a big influence. I want to hear about what are the kind of visual and aesthetic influences that maybe would give people an idea of what what, because I've seen the basement and I have such a clear idea of the types of colors you love, the types of texture, and like the types of fantasy. I'm just curious if you could talk about like what what worlds are are in that basement. Yeah, so I've always been a big proponent Sorry. of color um, and rhinestones and sparkles and texture and everything kind of over the top and weird, but specifically color. I think that's something that has been a consistent factor with me since I was a child is I've never really been a type to wear anything that wasn't super bright and like pair a bunch of things with each other. And so I think that plays a big factor into it. If when people are looking for black pieces, it's actually both really easy and really hard because I don't have that many. Um, so I think that that's the first thing that people notice when they come down into my studio, which is in the basement of my apartment. So it's literally like you're descending into this kind of world of color. <laughs> and the first thing you see is just like hundreds of shoes. And it's all about color and texture. And yeah. you just see kind of things from like a lucite Barbie shoe that has feathers and rhinestones and it's just all pink to like this green floor-length coat that I'm wearing to a floral print Marie Antoinette-style gown to just, like, a row of sequins, and I love feathers. And it's it's kind of almost overwhelming, the texture. Like, you really have to go into each individual rack to get past, like, it is a, it is a fantasy. Like, I am really trying to create a fantasy, and I want to live in that fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've, I'm kind of trying to create what I imagined as a child as being like my best case scenario in that closet. (laughs) Yeah, I can see a lot of a high fashion influence of Spice World. Obviously, absolutely fabulous. And I think a lot of like Uma Thurman and Batman and Robin as Poison Ivy. Like I see a lot of that. Yeah, I'm heavily inspired by film and TV Mm. and kind of the clothing in that. So like, as you mentioned, Ab Fab, absolutely fabulous is something that I remember watching with my brother actually had like the VHS set um, when I was a kid and he would watch it. He's 11 years older than me. And I would just watch it and like I really didn't understand anything that was going on. But I would just look at these outfits and just be like in awe of everything that was happening. And then I was kind of reintroduced to watching it maybe like five or so years ago and just obsessed with it since then. And just that's kind of what 
the fashion world is missing now is I feel like we've gotten lost in this kind of idea of minimalism, which when done well can be really great. But I think people often use it as a sort of cop out to not really put in an effort. And um, I was thinking about this actually the other day because my girlfriend and I were walking into a bar and like we were both, you know, just wearing what we normally wear out and which I guess is like kind of over the top, but nothing even crazy, crazy for us. And all these people were outside and they were just like, why are they so dressed up right now? Oh, yeah. And, and it's like, that's what I miss. And like, that's something that AbFab and some other shows and like older movies and older films and, you know, really kind of fantasy like versions of reality, those types of shows. That's that's what we need to kind of bring back, I think, to the fashion industry now is I I miss... I miss in 80s movies, the scenes of New York, where you just see everyone on the street from far away and everyone's wearing color. Like even people who don't care about fashion, who don't focus on fashion, who don't necessarily think about what they're wearing with much thought. It's they were still wearing colors and still, you know, getting dressed up to go to dinner, still getting dressed up to go places. I feel like we've lost an appreciation for getting dressed up. And that's really sad to me. And that's what I crave in AbFab. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about coming to America and Moonstruck. Yes. I was talking about coming to America this yeah. morning. <laughs> yeah, it's such a, like an event movie for fashion. Yeah. And it's like there is that sense of spectacle. Like in every corner, there's just these like fabulous people. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking about like the Muppets Take Manhattan. Like there is that yes. romance of New York. Or like Dick York. Tracy. Yes. Wow, yeah. wow, wow. wow. Um, yeah, I think I think we've lost that a lot. Um, and that's something that I would kind of like to encourage people with mm. my business is that you can kind of be the over the top version of yourself that you've always wanted to be. You don't necessarily need to curb that. And it doesn't have to be as extreme for every person. Like if fashion isn't your MO, that's fine. But like maybe try not to be so afraid of something that you do want to take a risk on. I have to say, I have to get over this because, but I've been kind of on this tirade because I probably have already talked about this on this podcast, but last week I was at the Slipper Room to see a comedy show. And after the show, I assume the next show was happening, which I assume was like a burlesque show. And these two people walked in and they were both in furs and the man had one of those like twisty um, like mustachi- mustachios. Like a Salvador Dali situation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the woman was in this kind of like flapper getup. And she kept looking at me um, and smiling at me because I think she wanted to like get attention because they were clearly like in costume. And I remember getting a little offended because I feel like everyone I know in New York just looks fabulous but doesn't do like this – kind of steampunky burning manny cosplay like performance exactly. thing and i was like oh i forgot about this because i feel like in new york like all the performers i know will be like will love to like turn a look you know or like show up at something looking outrageous but not yeah. like doing this performance of a personality yeah i think um I think that's also like I'm not a huge fan of Halloween. Mm, it's also my birthday's same. the day after, so that plays into it too. Right. <laughs> but um I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween because I feel like it's just kind of everyone getting dressed up like the one time in the whole year and then it's just like, well, that's kind of more what it should be all the time. <laughs> and yeah. it's just kind of it's kind of irritating. But I think I think that 
you know, there is a solid group of people that are growing and growing and growing. And I think that, you know, I think drag queens are really helping with that of like encouraging people to come out. And I think that New York is probably a pretty solid community of that. And I think that that's actually really taking people to the next level. And I mean, even like with the camp Met Gala, it's like people are starting to be like, okay, it's okay for me to be a little bit crazy. And some people are really missing the mark, but that's okay (laughs) because I still really appreciate everyone making an effort. And like, I mean, hey, there have been plenty of times where I probably step out and I really regret it later. And it's like, it's okay to also regret it but then also don't actually regret it because right. it, it's fine did you ever watch i'm re-watching buffy the vampire slayer did you ever watch it yeah my dogs are named buffy and slayer okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is yes <laughs> i'm like the fashion on that show is so bizarre yeah it's absolutely deranged mm-hmm. because it's not spice it's not like because I think a lot of 90s fashion is so fabulous. Yeah. And this is this, like, end of the decade. The dark side of it. Yeah. yeah. The, the the denim floor-length skirts that mm-hmm. they're always wearing. I love all the leather. But there's just a lot of bizarre... Um, and, and the low-rise jeans that they put them in are so oppressive. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Sometimes <laughs> I actually re-watching it and like, why did I like this show so much? But it's because there's a lot of really amazing things about it besides yes, the clothes. Besides. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I think that that's kind of where we went wrong. Yes. I think um, up until that point, we were going pretty strong because the 90s were actually really great for fashion. Yeah. But – uh, the late 90s, early 2000s took a plunge besides like the Paris Hilton crew because I appreciate that. Right. No, I think it's because of 9-11, of course. Mm. If you're on this podcast, you're going to have to deal with that. Mm. Um, so, OK. So I want to hear about the the flood. Um, if you could yes, tell the our great viewers flood about of Lido archives. Yeah, what happened to your archives when there when was the flood? Uh, it was August of 2018. It's like. A year and some months ago. Okay. Um, so basically that was like the beginning of this business. Before that, I was just a person who loved clothes. Everything I owned was purchased for myself. You know, like it didn't necessarily mean that I only had one size because my weight kind of always fluctuates. And like, you know, I would buy something that would be oversized for me but could fit on someone that was a different size right. or like whatever. But up until then, I had multiple storage units. And I had my clothes in all separate places. There was so much. I didn't know what to do with it. Then I moved in with my girlfriend in May of 2018. And we finally got this like duplex apartment where we could have the whole bed, the whole basement, which is three bedrooms. And I, that was going to be my studio. So I moved out of my storage units. I got everything there. I got everything set up. It looked amazing. And I was like, holy shit, this is a collection. This isn't just like my closet. And so that's kind of when the wheel started turning of being like, I should do something more with this. But I didn't really know what to do. Um, I was still styling, wasn't really happy, like only styling. I still style now. Um, Wasn't like super happy with what I was doing. I had too many days off. Mm. And then all of a sudden I was in California and Kevin, the person who helped me start this business, he was house sitting for my girlfriend Meredith and I. And all of a sudden, I see on my phone that he had called me, like, 27 times. And I'm like, okay, he's not really that dramatic. Like, so I don't know what's going on. 
And he sent me all these videos and my entire basement studio had flooded almost two feet from the front to the back. And it was absolutely devastating. My girlfriend and I hopped on a red eye and were home the next morning. And we spent about three days like taking everything out of there and ended up losing about 30% of my collection. Um, a lot of things that were white because the color transferred from other things and like they were, you know, like some things I could dye and repair, but other things were covered in mold. It was horrible. And um, then I got stuck with a gigantic dry cleaning bill to save the rest. I had to have someone come in from like a restoration dry cleaner, like who specializes in this kind of situation. They had to take everything, put it in an ozone tank. It was crazy. And then I was, like, hand-washing things in a kiddie pool in my backyard for months. Um, And it just completely devastated me. I lost a lot of things, you know, that weren't clothes. I had a big collection of magazines for many years. I lost all of that. Um, I lost all of my Polaroids and physical photographs that I'd taken over many years. You know, it wasn't just my clothes, but it just kind of desensitized me, I think, to being attached to things because like no one ends up with 4,000 pieces of clothing without having a minor hoarding problem. (laughs) So like I think that that was my problem is I just was so close to everything and that's what was preventing me from seeing that I could actually rent out my clothes to other people. That's an unbelievable insight that you were able to get that (laughs) rather than just being shut down. You were able to see like, oh, if I do this again – I can't uh, be as as uh, protective or as possessive, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a hard—I mean, it also made me want to make some fucking money because that dry yeah. cleaning bill killed me. And even just replacing, like, stupid stuff that just adds up. But it it really did detach me from things, and it made me appreciate what I have that are non-tangible things. And then also— you know, I think I I had a little bit of kind of an existential crisis after it happened because, one, my clothes were gone, literally. Like, even the ones that survived, they were gone for six weeks being restored. So I had nothing, and that meant I couldn't work. So, because that's how I worked, I would right. style with my clothes. It was just like this whole existential crisis where I was like, wow, I've attached all of my passion, my career— And, like, really kind of how I express myself and my personality to a tangible thing. And that's my collection of clothing. And even though I still obviously have a great attachment to those things and I still hold a lot of value, it's made me appreciate that the value that it holds is something that's larger than the actual pieces. It's kind of an idea. It's kind of – it is a fantasy Um, And it can be replaced even if the actual pieces can't be replaced. And it made me see that, you know, if pieces do go missing or do get totally damaged, which I try to protect myself from it as much as possible. I have every client sign an 11-page contract. Like, it's crazy, whatever. But if it does happen, which it's inevitable that it will at some point, I'll be okay. I'll keep breathing. It'll be fine. Like, I'll survive. I'll move on. I'll find another piece. I'll keep going with my day. Because your vision and your taste is That's not, not going to go anywhere. Yeah, no no element can destroy that. Yeah, so it kind of, I think like the <clears throat> flood really kind of made me dive very deep into my own just being and figuring myself out. And it 
kind of forced me. Like, I really feel like it forced me to do this. Like, there, it wow. didn't seem like I had a choice. It just was, it was both very natural and very aggressive of just being like, I have to do something more with all of this stuff. It's amazing because I feel like at literally every like superhero movie is like <laughs> the superhero loses their powers oh, <laughs> and then they have to like realize that they had them all along or whatever. I mean, it's just so cinematic that like you pretty much lost everything and had to be like, no, this is now it's almost like you then were like, no, I'm actually doubling down. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I was like kind of squandering for a little bit. And like it was a time in my life that was a really amazing time in my life because I had it was like my first year of my relationship with my incredible girlfriend Mm. who like I'm going to be with forever and stuff. So I was focusing on other things and it gave me the opportunity to focus on that. But then I also was like, wait a second, what am I doing with my life? You know, the flood made me appreciate the things like that that are very special. And it also made me realize that, like, I can't only ever have just, like, one thing. Like, I have to be passionate about something business-wise, career-wise. I have to, you know, be really amazing to my relationship. I have to take care of my dogs. I have to, you know, if I'm going to start this business, I have to make sure that I'm creating an environment for, like, employees and stuff to actually be happy and fulfilled and not miserable like all of the other places I've ever worked at. I feel like, you know, most people that I know are in jobs that are miserable. So it it just kind of made me see um, the bigger picture and like appreciate the things that actually matter, but then also want to do something better with the, you know, the physical objects. This is so good for me to hear because like I think over the last few weeks I've been having one of my typical breakdowns, which is like anytime I start working on a new creative project, I just want to lose myself in it and I don't want to have to worry about my selfhood, my personage, my state of mind, my bodily health, my mental health. I just want to like disappear and I think there's like some kind of suicidal element to that which is like oh I have this thing that's actually bigger than me I don't matter anymore so it's really amazing to hear that you before you took a huge leap for yourself you had to like stratify and kind of stabilize every element of your life and like decide that you wanted a holistically balanced life yeah I think that that's something that I still you know, I'm learning because it does get difficult. And I think starting this business has been so much more than I ever anticipated it. And, you know, it started with the floods, like there was that, but then also even just like doubling down and really doing this and being lost in it. And it took us a year to actually start the business before we even launched. So I really kind of started going into that dark place. And my girlfriend was away on a job for two and a half months. And so I was really kind of alone and working on this. And it was just kind of me and Kevin sitting in my living room for hours and hours and hours and hours just working. And I kind of started feeling a little bit agoraphobic of like not wanting to leave my house. I kind of started feeling a little bit weird about social interactions. I, you know, felt like I was becoming obsessed with this one thing that I had and I kind of had to take a step back and be like, no, this is very important. But also me being like a human being is important too. And I'm not, I don't just want to fall into that, you know, 
like business person workaholic kind of stereotype because I think that I maybe have that in me a little bit. Like I'm such a perfectionist and I get so passionate, almost like obsessive about things. And that's helped me a lot in starting this business. But I do have to take a step back and put it into perspective because otherwise I'll be like I would be a terrible person that no one would want to be around. And um, I've had to learn how to, you know, make time for my relationship, make time for myself, make time for my friends, um, make sure that I'm even taking care of myself. Sometimes I have to like set alarms to eat because I forget to eat. And it's just like that's not healthy. But. And I and I kind of want to destroy the sort of stereotype of like the miserable artist or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. you have to be depressed to create something beautiful or like you have to be alone or you have to be in a dark place. Like I've been in those dark places and I just refuse to believe that I can't have both. And yeah. it's it's hard to balance it. But like I never want to go in one direction of like, you know, my relationship is my whole life. My career is my whole life. I want to make sure that I have a balance. In terms of selecting things for other people, like has that, does that skill, once you went solo and now that you're selecting things for people and kind of serving this fantasy as people on demand, did that take an adjustment? Is that the easiest part for you? What's been kind of hard about that since you've started your own business? Selecting selecting what for people? Like, like styling people, I styling guess. Styling people? Um, I think – I mean I think there's like two kind of major differences. It's like if I'm styling uh, like a, a musician or something for example or a person who's going to an event. It's like they are themselves – they are essentially like a brand in themselves. So they have kind of an opinion. And then there's a model who, yeah, of course they have opinions, but at the end of the day, like their job is to show up and wear the clothes. Mm. So uh, it, it those two are very different scenarios, both of which are interesting in different ways. Because I think, you know, when it's a model, for obvious reasons, it's like I have more kind of creative control over what's happening. Uh, and if it's... But then that can get kind of boring because you like I can end up sometimes having to stop myself from falling into like the same sort of routine. Mm -hmm. Whereas if there's, for example, a musician, it's like they have a brand, they have an opinion, they have an identity, they need to feel comfortable. And then I have to take that into consideration. And it almost like sets up a little bit of like a prompt, like a writing prompt kind of. I went to school for writing. so Sometimes Mm -hmm. I like to think about it like that. But uh it's something to go off of. And that can sometimes be frustrating, but most of the time it's really interesting because it'll push me in different directions. And I think also having so many stylists come into my studio and be pulling for a shoot in front of me and, you know, like coming up with ideas in front of me of using my pieces in different ways, that's been super inspiring to me because. I swear every single time, even people who come there multiple times or often, every time there's someone down there and I'm with them, I see a piece that I have in a different way every single time. Amazing. And that's really cool because, you know, like these are pieces that I purchased that I probably wore at one point or will wear pieces that I've styled people in. And 
I look at them all the time. Like I've dissected these pieces and to still be kind of thinking of things in new ways is something I feel very lucky um, to have the opportunity to have that by having all these other creative people around Amazing. me. Um, so since you relaunched, since you launched in August 2019, mm-hmm. um, what's what's been going on? What's been the trajectory? Where where do you want things to be going in this first exciting year? Um, I think it's been since we launched in August. I think it's been like a pretty steady, pretty steady flow of people coming in and pulling from us for really exciting things. And we've kind of already reached um, like a higher caliber than even like what we started of publications, which is really cool. Um, And we have like some really exciting people pulling from us and really exciting people wearing our stuff. Um, And that's really cool. I think... We just kind of want to keep getting the word out, and that's really what the goal is going to be for 2020. But we have this lookbook that we shot recently, and that's going to kind of be something that we want to do. Like maybe twice a year, we have a lookbook that we put out, kind of treating Lido Archive as halfway between like a designer and a showroom. Amazing. So... That'll be a really fun project. This will be Lookbook One, okay. and it's called Lookbook One Introduction. And it's the introduction to Lido Archive. There will be many more to come. I think we've kind of set up Lido Archive. Like, I really wanted it to be the beginning for me. I wanted to kind of create a company that sort of had the ability to expand in many different directions. The rental archive will always be the center of it. But I would like to have it be sort of a parent company for many different ventures Mm. that are all, you know, related to fashion or aesthetic and kind of creating art, I guess, through fashion and um, aesthetic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I don't know. It's 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 exciting. and I think that it'll I think that it'll kind of expand where it wants to expand. I really like creating content for social media, and I think that that's something that's fun to let the clothes kind of speak for themselves and be like, "Okay, what does this outfit want to do, mm-hmm. and how can we make it do that?" And kind of expanding on that world and maybe like creating series on social media, I think would be really fun. Yeah, I just saw for a paper the you did with uh, Benito Skinner. Yeah, right? I mean, yeah. he he seems like such a match for you in terms. It of was amazing the drama and the kind of yeah. statement. Yeah, I think all of his characters really, really work well with Lido Archive. Um, it was so much fun working with him on that. It was a really last minute shoot, so I kind of didn't have much time to put together all of the different looks for all the different Zodiac characters. And it was funny because I was super stressed about it and just kind of like running all over the place, making it happen. And I think I forgot to realize that most of the pieces I need are literally in my basement. (laughs) I mean, I realized it pretty quickly, but at first it's like I was freaking out so much and it was, it, it worked out very well. Like I think that, 
we had a really good working relationship. He is so much fun Mm -hmm. and just like made the clothes come to life. And it's like we never even had to kind of try on multiple outfits. It was just kind of like, no, this is it. And then he put it on and it was perfect. (laughs) It was awesome. Like he's kind of the ideal creative person to deal with, to work with, because it's so many different aesthetics and so many different characters, literally, to create a fantasy around. And that's all I want to do all the time. I want to talk about what's in the archives. So I know that there's a lot of these pieces that you've collected, but correct me if I'm wrong. Some of them were passed down to you and the family, correct? Yes. I've gotten a lot of pieces from my mom and I actually recently got 36 boxes of my grandmother's clothes. (gasps) Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she was a huge character. Yeah, she was. She's really amazing. She was also an incredible artist and I have a lot of mannequins that are seen on my Instagram and those are all the painted ones are all my grandmother's artwork. And then there's also a painting that says Metropolitan on um, in the background of a lot of my Instagram posts. She also painted that as well. And so she was an incredible artist. She's very eccentric. She dressed amazingly well. She was kind of in like a bit of the social scene in L.A. So she'd always be going to galas and whatnot. So she just had like looks after looks after <laughs> looks after looks. And um, so I recently got literally 36 boxes of it. And it was wonderful because it also replenished a lot of my collection after the flood. And it also kind of felt like I was being reintroduced to her because I she passed away when I was 20. But she had uh, she had kind of started to like lose her memory for years before that. And she was one of those people who just like didn't really like children like didn't really get along with children (laughs) so and I'm also the only girl in my family so like I think that I had a little bit of an edge up because of that like she would buy me like cute clothes and stuff and I think that there was like looking back maybe I'm totally fantasizing this in my head but I think that there was maybe like a little bit of a understanding between the two of us But still, like, she wasn't really a kid person. So by the time I was getting to be an adult, she was already starting to lose her mind a little bit. And I still had some really funny conversations with her as an adult and in moments of clarity. But it's nice having her stuff because I can just I can it feels like I have a window into her life. And there's just like weirdly a lot of similarities. And it makes me realize that it probably was an influence on me. Like she in the early 2000s, because she was a painter, she got arthritis in her hands in the early 2000s and she couldn't paint anymore. So in order to kind of fill that void, she started making these super fucking weird short films. Like Mm. so, so weird. And it's all drag queens. Like they're all, they're all queens. I mean, she did not have one straight friend. Like I swear, not one straight friend. Amazing. And, um, It's these incredible productions, but also, like, so terrible at the same time. Like, the amount of money that she probably put into these films and then, like, sometimes the the lack of quality is just incredible. But it's in the most amazing way. Like, I respect it as if it were a choice. It maybe was. And um, so kind of looking at those and I'm like, I remember watching those videos like it would be a thing like, oh, Nona has a new video out. Like, let's go watch it in her like on her huge TV in her bedroom. Like, it was so weird. 
And um, I don't think at the time I realized how much that was influencing me. And going back and, you know, finally having all of the videos on DVD in my house and having her paintings and having her clothes makes me tune in to that. It's It must be really great for you because I feel like with vintage clothing, if it's stuff that you actually know the history of, you can tell the full story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's really cool because I actually recently hired someone else onto the team. So now there's three of us. Wow. Um, and she handles all of our research and our repairs. But she showed us this thing where you can actually like – learn a lot from the tag of a garment, which mm. is so funny because as a person who's been obsessed with clothes for so long, you'd think I would know that. Like, it seems so obvious to me right. that that would be important, but I never, it never occurred to me. And so she's kind of showed me the importance of that. And she shows me how you can take a tag and find out the entire history of a garment. Like you can find out when it was made, even where it was made. And then from there you can learn so much. So that's been really cool, especially with my grandmother's pieces, yeah. because, you know, with my pieces, I, I know where I got them. So I can kind of fill in half the story. But with hers, I have no idea when she got them other than that it was before a certain year. And I have no idea where cause she traveled the world all the time. And I have no idea if it was a very expensive designer piece or if it was like a side of the road find because... Mm. Which is funny because I now realize like that's how I function too. So it's um, it's been interesting learning about that. And in general, learning the history of a garment can tell you a lot. But I think especially with her, it kind of gives me a picture of what her life, you know, adventures she may have had. Yeah, I know you have the sex belt from which Cardi B video? Um, it's actually J-Lo's Dinero video that Cardi B was featured in. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah, I'm wondering if you've had any other discoveries with the pieces you've had of being like, oh my God, this was a part of this bigger thing you didn't know about or anything like that. Um, oh man. I feel like there's a lot of things. Re very recently, um, this is for some reason the first thing popping into my head, but I was watching The Nanny on mm. DVD because it's like nowhere to stream. And Grandma Yetta was wearing this sequin like cardigan thing. And I literally have the exact same yes. one. <laughs> wow. And I had to – and I don't even have – like I lost the remote to the DVD player. So I couldn't even rewind it. So I just had to replay the DVD, the whole DVD, and find it. And it's the exact same sweater. So that's kind of funny. I also wow. – um, I really like – finding uh like matching pieces like all the other day or a couple weeks ago over thanksgiving i was in san francisco and i was in a vintage store and i was wearing this 1970s blue jumpsuit and i was in a vintage store and i literally found the same jumpsuit oh for sale God. so it's it's a lot of things like that which are funny now that i have enough pieces and now that i like focus so much on them um there's yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff. I'm totally blanking on everything now, but um, it, it's a really cool thing is to see pieces that I end up finding like runway videos of them mm. from like the 80s or 90s. That's probably the coolest wow. thing. So I guess if you can explain for fabulous people who are listening how they can how the system works, like if someone's doing a music video or something and they were curious about maybe working with you, how this, how, the, how your system works. Yeah. So 
you, it's by appointment only. We don't have like normal showroom hours at this point because it's still based out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can basically like reach out to us over DM or email or on our website. And as long as you basically send us like a short description of what the rental is for and kind of what you're looking for and your sizes, then we get back to you about you know, what kind of pieces we have and what availability is like. Our rental minimum is $250. And that, you know, depending on what you rent, like that could cover a whole outfit or it could just be not even the full price of one piece. Um, So it kind of varies from there. But it's it's also really fun. We like people just coming by and seeing the studio and seeing the pieces. (laughs) Because it, it is something that I, you know, I, I like having the clothes be appreciated. Like, that's what they're for. And I know that not everyone necessarily has a reason to rent at this point, maybe. But I like sharing that with people. And I want to spread the word. And I also want to kind of create a more inclusive, friendly environment that really just, like, blows this stereotypical fashion snootiness out of the water. Um so yeah, that's also another thing that we'd like to do. <laughs> yeah, our, our mutual friend Pri Rajdev and I were talking yesterday because um, Bowen Yang, uh, who is beloved comedian, um, and the and on he's first year as an SNL cast member. He's queer. He's from Brooklyn. He was just on Seth Meyers, and he was wearing clothes styled by, made by. Um, gay Bushwick people. Oh, wow. And Pri was just talking about how excited he was about that. And yeah. it is it is really exciting to think about, like, your archive as kind of a hub for all sorts of characters in, in this world that we're in and, like, as a way that we can support one another and make one another feel fabulous. Yeah, I think, I think like, I mean— I would be honored to be considered part of that because I think there's so many incredible people that are based in Bushwick now. But I I really, yeah, I really do feel like we need kind of to put the fun back in fashion because yeah. it's it's too much about, it's been for a long time too much about an ego, too much about an attitude, too much about who you know, what's your status, um, where you've worked, where you are working. and And it's like there's so much more and – this all started for me out of just loving clothes and like I I want to work with more people, be in touch with more people, um, just even talk to more people who that's kind of where their MO is, is just like truly loving clothes and accessories and pieces and like, you know, even if it's not wearing the actual clothes, it's just you can see – see why there's an art to it. Mm. Um, and it's not about the prestige. It's about just the pieces. Amazing. So so where can people be following you? Um, our Instagram is at Lido Archive. That's my last name. It's super weird, but it's L-I-D-O-W. That's a D like a dog. I love dogs. Buffy and Slayer. Buffy and Slayer. <laughs> uh, archive, A-R-C-H-I-V-E. Great. Um, yeah, you should follow it because and the the posts are outrageous. Like the the styling of those mannequins is next level. I remember, and you've done a lot of them in your backyard. Yeah, 
Yeah, my girlfriend Meredith has created this incredible tiki oasis in our backyard, which with a hot tub, which is amazing, and a yes. tiki bar that her dad built. So it's it's a fun backdrop. I think our house is in general a fun place to take photos. There are a lot of like weird mannequins and art pieces that aren't really art pieces and a lot of weed paraphernalia and <laughs> paintings and astroturf. Um, and I also, we've created kind of a series of me like doing stupid things in ridiculous outfits. <laughs> <laughs> like today, um, if you go to our Instagram, you can see a big bucket of water being poured on top of me in a crazy outfit. Oh, That's waterproof. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah. Okay. And it all came about because the clothes are waterproof and we were like, how can we show this? <laughs> wow. Um, okay, well, I, I hope everyone checks this out. I'm really, really glad we got to talk to you. Know, this is such too. an auspicious time, and I can't wait to see the lookbook. Yeah, I know. I mean, I can't wait to see where it goes, because we're going to like be pitching it out in January, so we'll see. <laughs> um, well, Haley, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomium. Share it on your Instagram stories, email it to your Aunt Joan, and help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.